Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome everyone to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Today is going to be a fantastic episode. I've got Sally Osborne on the line today. She is a coming out coach is is the way she describes herself. Her content has blown my mind over the last year. I've learned so much about the LGBTQ community, but I've also learned about like reclaiming identity, preserving relationships, living with joy, just owning who you are and going out there, parenting, parenting Mm -hmm. after a faith transition. So many good things over on her page. It's my ray of sunshine, especially whenever I'm feeling like down or there's just a lot going on. I go over and I follow her and I read some of her stories and it helps me feel, helps Mm. me feel hopeful and good again. So thank you. You're so welcome. So welcome, Sally, please introduce yourself and tell us anything you would like to about yourself and how you got into this work. Yeah, well, so, so happy to hear that. That's like, that, that is like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing you could have told me. So thank you. I am uh, a coming out coach. I am a content creator. I have my own podcast and just trying to spread the word, spread the good word. (laughs) I feel kind of like a missionary. Um, So I was married to a man. I was I was raised Mormon, got married when I was 19, had three kids with my ex-husband, and then it all came crashing down. And uh, we we had a faith crisis. We left the church. And then not too long after that, I met my current partner and realized I was gay and came out of the closet and got a divorce. And, and now I am co-parenting with my lovely fiance, Lena, and we have a collective seven children and they call themselves the rainbow squad. I love that. Ages four, seven, seven, nine, 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 11. So (laughs) they're all similar age. We have five, six, we have six at the elementary school down the street. And so it's a party and, uh, we, we have a lot of fun and it's also been the hardest, the hardest thing I've ever done. So joy, pain, all of it, you know, not asleep anymore. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the most honest ways I've heard anyone talk about that. It's such a paradox. You're Mm. holding such conflicting feelings all at once. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So you went through your own transition. Did So I am curious. Yeah. Whenever you came out as gay, did you also come out of the church all at one time or was Mm -hmm. it kind of like one and then the other? Yeah. So In 2017, my ex-husband and I officially left the church. He went through a faith crisis for like two years before I was open to to hearing anything. Our marriage was kind of uh, getting difficult because we were growing in different directions because he was having this awakening and I was closed off to it. Um, But a wonderful counselor that we met with told me that he just needs to be seen and heard. And so I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll hear you out. And I didn't think my testimony would be affected by that, but of course it was. And Mm -hmm. it was devastating, traumatic. I was fully, fully believer. I was myself as much as I could be as much as I knew, but, but I believed, I truly believed. And so it, my world came crashing down and it was definitely something that I wouldn't wish on anyone to go through, but at the same time, it brought me to where I am now. It's, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. So, and then in, uh, 2019, I came out, I, I kind of went on a journey after I left the church. I realized that I didn't know who I was essentially. Like I had to reevaluate everything, you know, how do I actually feel about this and that and the other, where the church had told me what I believed in. And now all of a sudden I had nothing to go off of. So 
I kind of started going down that journey and sexuality is one of the things that I had to examine and try to get honest. Like really, it's just being honest with myself. I, I was like, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm not going to live a lie. I'm, I'm all about integrity and honesty. And I'm kind of a person that's like, well, if, if I know this, I can't pretend like I don't know this, you know, like it just doesn't work with me. And so I, I was really, um, determined to explore my sexuality and these blocks that I had, I knew forever that I had something going on. Um, it wasn't flowing the same way that other people's relationships flowed. I knew something was off. Uh, and I knew that if I had not been Mormon, I probably, probably would have explored my sexuality. Um, and so I didn't get a chance to do that, but then it's really hard to figure out how to do that when you're married with three kids. (laughs) So I, I went to, uh, I went to Dr. Jennifer, Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Uh, she hosted a retreat called the art of desire. And I went to that and she's a Mormon. Um, but she is extremely nuanced. Nothing that she teaches is a lot is like really in alignment with what I was taught in the church. So it kind of freed me up to lean into my sexuality and kind of see where that left me. And, and it didn't, it didn't really, um, it got me more in touch with myself, which was not more in touch with my husband. Um, and, uh, I just happened to meet Lena around this time of exploration and, and, uh, very innocently realized that I was feeling things that were different than like, I thought maybe a normal friendship should be. And I even Googled like, can you like, what if, what do you do if you can't stop thinking about your friend? Like, is this normal? (laughs) Like I was so innocent. Like I wasn't having sexual feelings towards her. I was just like drawn to her. It was like an energetic uh, force that was hard to ignore. And, um, and she was feeling it too. And so we had that conversation and then we had a conversation shortly after with our husbands and like figured that all out. And it was, it was, similar to finding out the church wasn't true. Finding out I was gay was similar. It was, uh, it was like a moment of holy shit, duh, you know, like, yeah, like, oh, it all makes sense now. Now I don't have to do these mental gymnastics, you know, like, oh, that's why it doesn't work. Duh. And so it was, it was equal parts, maybe not equal parts, but it was relieving and, and beautiful and, um, exciting. And at the same time, just soul crushing. Like, what do I do now? Like, this is, this is a really terrible situation and I'm going to have to either break my husband's heart and, and separate our family, or I'm going to have to break my own heart and deny myself of this truth. That is clearly, um, it's clearly here. I couldn't deny it It was real. It was so clear to me in my body and my mind and everything that, uh, I had a panic attack, like the next day thinking about saying goodbye to her, thinking about saying goodbye to this part of myself and just repressing it, continuing to repress. It was like, uh, a torture in my body that I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to be able to tolerate, you know, and I can totally, I can totally understand why kids are suicidal. And they think, well, it would be better to end my life than to feel this pain because it was so intense. Yeah. And I think once you find like a piece of your identity and you realize it doesn't fit in a system, whether that system is, you know, the church system or a family system or um, just in society in general, we we can't, it is like killing a part of ourselves to try to deny that in order to yes. fit back in. So once yes. you've woken up to that, mm-hmm. once you've realized this is who I am, then it's no longer just an, a neglect of that part of yourself. It, it feels like an active killing of that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would, I would be walking around as a, like a zombie, you know, like just lifeless. <laughs> so I, I think that, uh, that it's, you know, the ideas around LGBTQ issues being wrong or different or anything. It's, it's 
totally made up. It's completely fabricated by someone that needed power or money or something. You know how all all um, judgment and prejudice happens, but it's it doesn't make sense. It's no different for me to be attracted to a woman than it is for for you to be attracted to a man. It's right. com- it's completely the same. And to to experience the uh, physical sensations in the in the body and everything that happened for me at age thirty three for the first time, it was like it was like oh, like this is biological. This is how my body functions. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to do this. I actually was really trying to do the other thing. Um, and it was fascinating to me. It was like, I was like experiencing my own experiment, like a scientific experiment. Oh, my body's working. Oh, I'm noticing these sensations. Oh, I can't stop thinking about her. It's like, oh, this is, this is really uh, I've been working against my own biology this whole time. Yeah. Try, trying to make uh, something work, not the way it's supposed to work, you know, and yeah. can imagine how frustrating that that is. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I mean, I have clients that I don't know if you experienced this as well, but I have clients that are just going through those beginning stages of a religious transition that will identify as asexual for a little while mm. because mm-hmm. they've repressed their sexuality for so long. and often by the time we're done working, they're like, maybe like, maybe I'm not asexual. <laughs> yeah. Maybe actually I do function and I am interested in sexuality. I'm just not interested in sexuality the way I was taught to be interested yes. in sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good I'm, point. Mm-hmm. We just watched, um, what is his name? The, the singer David Archuleta. Yeah. He just went through that same kind of like progression where Mm -hmm. I remember, was it last year or the year before he came out and said that I'm, I'm asexual and then was like, actually, no, I'm gay. Yeah. And you could just see the difference in those announcements too, of kind of that paradox of feelings that you were Mm -hmm. talking about of this is who I am. And also now I have to grieve Mm. not living true to myself for all of this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lena and I's first year of of being together and we we processed a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went through all kinds of pain just grieving the life that we didn't have and also grieving the life that we did have that we that we tra- transitioned out of and it was just intense, like a lot of intense processing. Um beautiful and difficult at the same time. You know, you can't come out of that process the same. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely transform. And I think that's what I love about your message is you show that you can, you can transform and it gets to be not just as good as it was, but even better Mm. because you're living as who you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's no price for that. Like it's, it's so worth it to go on whatever journey it takes to get to being who you are and allowing yourself to just be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's, it feels like what we're here for to evolve and to discover who we are and to have experiences. And I'm not here to like be asleep. I don't want to purposefully ignore all these things that are coming up because then what that's so boring. <laughs> it's like so boring. And so like, uh, just not, not what I'm up here for. So bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, you and I, I think probably both experience this when we're in an organization where everyone is supposed to be asleep. Everyone's supposed to fit in a box. Everyone's Mm. supposed to be the same. Everybody feels like a a replica. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was sitting in a ward council at one point um, with a couple of other women and we were in a different ward and she said, oh, that person reminds me of so-and-so in my ward. And that person reminds Mm. me of so-and-so. And it's like, the blinders just fell off and I was looking around and I was like, I'm in a Stepford wife. <laughs> this is, I'm Clones. wearing this. Yeah. I was like, I'm wearing yeah. the same, same, you know, Lula yeah. Rose skirt and the same target <laughs> cardigan and the same. And I was like, my yes. hair is cut the same. Yeah. Yes. It was oh crazy. my gosh. That is crazy. I remember, I, yeah, I look back at pictures of myself when I was a Mormon sheep and I can't recognize myself. I was in a costume. I literally look like I'm wearing a costume and that is so true. I remember saying to my mom one time in, in all, in all honesty and, you know, faithfulness saying, 
mom, I think God requires us to conform. Like, I think what he wants us to do is to just repress like what we want for his will. And like, that must be what he wants because look, look at this. Like I had, I have this older brother who's really artistic, like on the extreme side and he never, ever, ever fit in even more than me. And I just struggled to understand why God would try to fit him in this box because it, it tortured him so much. And that's what I came up with. I'm like, oh, that must be our trial in this life is to repress and conform. And I literally thought God wanted us to do that. And I was willing to do it. You know, it's like the yeah. teach the, the scriptures say, not, not my will, but thy will be done. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think whenever you realize you don't fit in the box, we come up with stories of, well, we've been told this is true. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do I reconcile? This is true with, I don't fit. Yes. And I I've, I've always been shame. Able- Yes. So That's much. what happens. We do all these weird mental gymnastics. And, and I remember coming to that same conclusion. I was a very strong, ambitious, outspoken woman. Mm-hmm. And that did not fit the box. Who wanted to hike and do Pinewood derbies and asked if we could go fishing? Yes. And, and they were like, it. no, 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 you're a girl. We don't do that. And I didn't want kids. I mean, mm. if I'm being honest with myself as a teenager, yeah. it's like, uh-uh, I wanted a boardroom. Mm, so that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't fit either in different ways. And it it just like you do, you're like, well, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to suffer to show my love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The more miserable you are, the more righteous you are. <laughs> yep. I definitely took that on as mm. if I'm miserable, then I'm doing something right until I got to the point where I broke. I, you know, got diagnosed mm-hmm. with clinical depression at the age of mm. 30. Wow. And I just remember my therapist who was not Mormon being like, that's a lot. Mm. And I don't think that's a healthy way to live. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for those therapists, huh? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Where would we be without them? It's so. because we're like, we literally lived in an alternate universe, an alternate reality, you know, like the Truman show. It's like, these therapists are able to shine a light on the fact that we are in this matrix and they're like, Hey, look, uh, (laughs) you're in Mm -hmm. a cult. And so it's, uh, it's just, I'm so thankful for that. And it's also so trippy. I showed Lena the Truman show for the first time the other day and she was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I watched it the year after I left. I mean, I watched it in and nothing. Yeah. I never watched it and was like, Oh my gosh, that's my life. Yeah. But I watched it right after I left and it was so triggering. It was Mm. so triggering and painful. I need to watch it again because I've done a lot of healing since then. I need to, I'm, I want to make some content around it and just be like, just, just be like, guys, have you seen this lately? It's just, it's fun. It's fun to see that. It's fun to like feel the freedom of being out and the, the freedom to think for myself and have these ideas that I can just share. I don't have to repress myself anymore. It's, it's really freeing. Yeah. Well, and he's literally in a bubble, like it is Mm -hmm. bubble shaped. He is literally in a bubble (laughs) and doesn't know it. And it's man, that speaks to our experience so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when you wake up and you finally decide I don't fit in this bubble anymore and I can't go back to sleep and something has to change because I have a lot of listeners that are in that physically in mentally out space, that PMO space of I've woken up to the fact that my reality is not the reality I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I am different than I was told I should be. And I'm finally willing to accept that. And it's painful to try to pretend and I'm ready to be honest about my experience and who I am. How do you get ready for those kinds of conversations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a big one. Mm -hmm. Well, I have found that leaving the church and coming out to people about leaving the church was more uh, intense than coming out of the closet. People had bigger reactions because, and here's where I think this 
um, here's the reason that I think is that when you come out of the church and you tell people you no longer believe, you're threatening their beliefs. You you shine a mirror to them and you say, I don't believe in what you believe in anymore. And that automatically puts them on the defense because it's actually not about you. It's about their own beliefs. It shakes them. It shakes their own security. Like the church makes you believe that everything depends on it. And so when you tell someone you're out, they're like, their whole life is on the line. It's like, as if you are saying, I I could kill you. Like I'm a threat. Mm-hmm. I could literally kill you because they feel like losing their testimony would be death. So mm-hmm. imagine, imagine coming to someone and telling them that. So I think it's important to really put that in perspective. When you're about to share this with someone, remember that you're threatening their whole belief system and their life and that it's not about you. So to come, to come at this and realize that no debate, no conversation is going to change that, nor will it help. They're going to defend it to the death. They're going to defend it even when it doesn't make any sense. They're going to continue to defend it. And there's all these ways around logic to defend it. And so there, there's no use in doing that. So I would say, get yourself ready by being really confident in your decision, by being, by being confident in a way that you have a support system, that you have friends around you, that you've processed this enough that you feel solid and you're not like on shaky ground here. This is a decision you've made and that's not on the table for debate anymore. And then to, to have that conversation, I really recommend front-loading the person. So let them know that you're going to have a difficult conversation with them by saying, hey, um, I have something important to talk to you about and it's really sensitive. Can I talk to you at this time about this thing? So that they're kind of prepared not to scare them, but to to not catch them so much off guard that they can Mm -hmm. have their nervous system kind of regulated at the time. Mm -hmm. And then even if you want to write something, I, I think that writing it down, if you're nervous, if you think you're going to fumble over your words, write it down. You can even read it to them in person. I wouldn't do it in an email. I wouldn't, maybe a FaceTime is okay, but I would say it in words and not write it in email. Cause, cause here's what you do when you write it in the email, you give them an opportunity to write it, write you back. And not to mention, I mean, we're taking away what 90% of the yeah, information the, from the our Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 8% of the content is the words. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, so, um, if you're nervous, write it down and here's what I would say, do not talk about any, any, any details of church doctrine, of history, of even social things. I wouldn't even say why for the, especially the first time you guys talk about it, I would just keep it super duper simple and make it about you. Make it about your own vulnerability. Like, Hey, I'm being vulnerable right now. This is really sensitive. I've gone through a lot of hard things around this. This has been really traumatic. I'm telling you because I care about our relationship. I wouldn't share this with you if I didn't care about having a relationship with you. I, I respect who you are in my life and I am not here to take you away from something if it is working for you. However, and I ask the same from you. I just need your love. I just need to tell you this because I care about you and I want you to know what's going on with me. And I ask you to not, I, I would even ask them to not respond in the moment. Like right now is not a good time for me to have a conversation about this. I think we all need to have time away from each other to process this, to go through the emotions without each other to, to get hurt because I feel like we could easily get hurt and say things we don't mean. And so let's just process this on our own. And then at a later time, we can talk more about it. However, like, I don't feel comfortable talking about details in the church. I don't feel comfortable with anything that is more than love and support right now. Um, yeah. And that's how I would do 
coming out of the closet too. Same thing. Like keep it simple. Keep it about you. Remember, they're going to feel threatened. They're going to make it about them. They're going to feel like, oh my God, how did I not see this sooner? How did I not know she was gay? You know, I must be a bad parent or, um, how did I not, um, see this coming with the church? I should have, this is me. I'm a bad mom. Cause my kids leaving the church, like they always turn it around and make it about them. And it's, it's just a human response. I I'm not judging anyone for feeling that way. It's just how we've been trained. They've been conditioned to feel that way. Mm-hmm. A mom's whole freaking purpose in life is to make sure their kids stay faithful in the church. And so you are telling her she failed, you know? Mm-hmm. So of course that's going to hurt. Um, so just being really aware and, and making sure that you stay in your own body and that you are committed to these boundaries. You have to keep your own boundaries because it's tempting to want to explain yourself. It's super tempting. You're like, I just want to be seen and heard. I want you to understand why I left, but listen, they're not going to understand. They will not. So don't try. It's just going to make it worse in time. You know, my parents, they, they tried to talk to me about it and it was really painful. And I I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hurt our relationship. I really cared about keeping our relationship intact. And I knew that if we got into it, it would, it would just be destructive, but guess what? They're on their own journey now. However, Mm -hmm. many years later, they're having a faith crisis. And so like, it's going to happen if it happens. And the, the best way to have an influence on those you love is to just live your truth and to not try to convince anyone if they don't, if they're not open to it, right. They will, they will go there. If they're ready to go there, you are not going to help by pushing it or even by explaining. Cause when you explain yourself, they feel like you are pressuring them. They feel like you're trying to prove them wrong and it will never be a way for them to understand you. It will just, they'll just feel defensive. Yeah. It can't, it can't come from you. Yeah. Well, and you brought up some really great points there. Like first we need to root into ourselves and our own decision. We can't mm-hmm. be coming to our parents or to the people we're coming out to for validation. We need that first. Like I feel very good about my decision. I feel really solid about this is who I am. This is mm-hmm. what I want. Um So we do that first and we know what our boundaries are. What are we willing to talk about? What are we not willing to talk about? And having a game plan for that, I think is so important to have Mm -hmm. that game plan before we go into the conversation where emotions could run high to prepare ourselves for, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm okay with. This is, you know, the space I need or what I need Mm -hmm. in order to then maybe have a later conversation where we can discuss more in detail, but this is what I'm willing to discuss. And this is what I'm not willing to discuss Mm -hmm. and just being really clear about those boundaries. And then also understanding that if we're coming from high demand backgrounds of any kind, that shame is going to be involved for the people that we're telling and it will become all about them. Mm -hmm. And just to be prepared for that and to hold space for that and to understand that, what may come up for them really has nothing to do with us. It is, it is the, I'm a bad parent. I've failed you somehow. I wasn't there for you. Mm -hmm. And it's the fear that comes along with what does this mean for me? And something I love that you just brought up too, is really emphasizing. I'm having this conversation with you because I care about you Mm -hmm. and I want to continue to have a relationship. And so this is really vulnerable for me. I think whenever we can, verbalize vulnerability to other people, especially Mm -hmm. from high demand systems where being vulnerable doesn't look the same as it does outside of those systems. Like, yeah, it's a different thing. It's like an oversharing and then you're not supposed to feel feelings about it. Mm. So being able to say, this is difficult for me. This is vulnerable for me. I care about you like creating as safe a space as possible for Mm -hmm. this is about our relationship. And I'm sharing something that's sensitive with me, with you, because I care about you. Mm -hmm. You're, you're giving them a gift by setting it up that way to Mm -hmm. not put their foot in their mouth or to not hurt you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're like, I'm going to help you to handle this the way that you actually do want to handle it. Like 
you know, these people don't want to hurt us. They, they want to respond in love and you're giving them that opportunity when you are able to front load them and say these key words that help take them from defensive to, oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to help this person that will, they'll feel good about themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. like the more you can make someone else feel good about themselves, the better their response is going to be to, to whatever you're talking about. Absolutely. Because when we come in a place where it's going to make their shame flare up, when we come from an attacking place or even just an, I need your validation place that kind of becomes a power struggle. um, People, when once that shame enters the picture, it becomes a, a fight or flight response where you either have to become the enemy or I have to withdraw from you in order to, to protect myself. So she feels life-threatening and we go into fight or flight and yeah. So we're trying to keep as safe an atmosphere as possible. So Mm. the people, the people we're talking to don't go into fight or flight and either fight us or leave. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. I love that. I have found that coming out is it's really difficult to, to have those conversations Um, but that's just the beginning. Like, I feel like you, you, you have those conversations and then the work comes in, then, then the work of like continuing in that confidence and showing them that you believe yourself, you know, because if you start to waffle after that, or you become confrontational after that, like, they're going to question you and they're going to start to want, they're going to get more comfortable around it. Right. It's often, this happens a lot with people that I have worked with where they'll come out and their parents will be super supportive. And then like two weeks later, they will be at Sunday dinner and their dad has all this stuff prepared to tell and to like all, all this defense stuff. And so it's kind of a continuation. You have to stay, you know, you have to protect yourself until you feel them shift until you, until there's enough time that's gone by where they see that you're not going to change. There's, you you can't be reconverted or Mm -hmm. be made straight, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're going to finally not do that anymore. But I think I've seen that it it takes time for that to happen and it takes you holding your boundaries, you know? Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone who, is in that state or getting ready for that state where they're about to tell someone and then they know their boundaries are going to be pushed. There are, because of that shame response from parents, because of that idea that people need to be saved again, if they Mm. leave or change Mm -hmm. their, their mind about religion, or if they come out of the closet. So there's going to be this like rescue mission that's going to happen because of the ideology that sometimes our parents have about these Mm -hmm. things. How do you hold yourself and how do you allow yourself to hold those boundaries with people you love often when sometimes you do feel alone? Like how, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be a very lonely place an isolating place, especially when you've leaned on these relationships. Uh, you know, I think Mormonism creates a codependent atmosphere in families and, and in the ward family, even like we're very tight knit and very codependent. And so all of a sudden you don't have those people to take care of you and to validate you. Your world can really feel unstable. Um, So it's tempting. It's tempting to look at those relationships and still seek validation, but this is your time. Like if you are, if you are making this decision, you're making also making the decision to do some really hard work. You're making the decision to look at psychology and look at uh, look at yourself in a different way. Like, am I codependent? Oh my gosh. Like I'm going to learn, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to get help. Meditation and mindfulness is like my bread and butter. If I didn't have meditation and, and I did Kundalini yoga, but like, there's so many different modalities that you can use breath work and, uh, like a community also like, having a yoga community where I learned how to like get in touch with myself. It was huge. If I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be right now. Like I needed that foundation. I needed that, 
uh, slowing down, being still tuning into my body and really just feeling the clarity over and over and over again. You have to come back to that clarity. You have to come back to your why, like remember why you're making this decision because when it gets hard, you're going to, you're going to feel like, well, maybe I made the wrong choice. So maybe I want to go back to this easy way of life. You know, when you're asleep, ignorance is bliss, right? Mm -hmm. When you're asleep, things are cushy and all of a sudden they're not cushy anymore. And so this is called evolution. (laughs) And there are so many tools out there for you. There's so many tools um, available to you. And so if you're in this position, if you're getting ready to do this, number one, find a, find a support system other than these people. Community, if it's online or if it's in person, I found when I left the church, we found like a local ex-Mormon little community um, that was life-saving for me. Um, and of course, my spouse was also helpful and uh, I feel for everyone who doesn't have that, I would say, find that. And then number two, find a practice that connects you to yourself, whatever that is, whatever that practice is that gets you to feel grounded, to feel centered, to feel aligned and to remind you of what's true, to remind you of what you're doing, why you're doing this and what your truth is that will continue to perpetuate the growth and keep you from falling backwards into this depression or into fear. And, um, you know, it will, it will help get you out of that, uh, out of that cycle that we've been conditioned to stay in. Yeah. Oh, these are all such great recommendations because the community really is so important, especially because for many of us, when, we leave religion or come out of the closet. Sometimes we do lose entire communities of mm-hmm. people and um, just having someone to rely on. Would you recommend that people look for that community before they have these discussions with family? I mean, at least online, like I'm assuming people have, if they're in that position, they've, they've gone to Instagram or they've gone to there's a couple groups on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Reddit, whatever you can do to like see and know that there's people that have done it and who are doing it and that mm-hmm. you can too. Like that's yeah. just that I think that's vital. Like you can't do something when you don't when you when you don't know that it's possible to do it, you know? Like it's just so important. I remember leaving the church and feeling like so numb and so scared and the the people that had already been there, I was like, how in the hell are you okay right now? You cannot be okay. You cannot have done this. This seems impossible. It totally seemed totally like insane for me to see, to witness them being okay. Like, and so I needed that. I needed to know I was going to be okay and that it was possible. Um, So yeah, it's not that you need to be codependent or that you need someone to like save you. It's just that you need that hope to hold on to while you're going through this and know that you will. And it, it's not dependent on how these people respond to you. People, there's all kinds of reactions. Sometimes families fall apart, but guess what? No matter what happens, you have, you, you have all these other people who have done it. Like it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. No, I think that is so important to have, to see the light at the end of the tunnel and and to Mm -hmm. see people who have been through what you've been through and to know it's going to be okay. And I think there's something really important too about having your experience validated because sometimes there is a lot of gaslighting that goes along with the experience of coming out of the closet Mm -hmm. or leaving your religion behind. And also it sometimes triggers our own internalized shame from the indoctrination of, you know, who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do to be quote unquote, good people Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's helpful to have somebody to say, Hey, I'm I'm in a shame spiral right now. And this is what I'm feeling. And to have somebody be like, okay, that makes sense. And like, let's think about this rationally. Mm -hmm. Does that actually make sense? Mm -hmm. Could you still be a good person? and not religious? Could you still Mm -hmm. be a good person and think differently or live differently in, you know, any of these different ways? So yeah, sometimes it's so helpful to just be able to voice that and be like, I'm feeling shame right now. And this is why, and to have someone say, I see you and you're still worthy. 
and like, let's look at this logically right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And I love that it's possible to do that. Like that's not, you don't do that when you're Mormon. Like no, that's not even a thing. And so, so to experience like that kind of vulnerability and to be held in that way, it's like, that can be so healing, you know, to, to, to have that as you go into this, um, really harsh conversation, really like maybe uh, a conversation where you feel totally invalidated, where you you're looked at like a fallen angel. You're looked at like you've been taken over by Satan. You mm-hmm. know, it's like mm-hmm. you need those lifelines to be able to to validate. You're right to validate you. That's that's so important. And that's why I'm visible. Honestly, that's why I'm making myself visible. I never thought I would share my I, w- I never thought I would share like this. I couldn't imagine like being public about my feelings around the church a couple of years ago. I'm like, I would look at other people doing that and be like, oh, that's brave. Oh, I'm scared to do that. I don't want to put myself out there like that. But times have changed. Like I've come a long way and I feel um, I I feel some sort of like duty calling to to share my truth so that other people can see that that they can do it too. Absolutely. and And- and for their kids, for my kids to see that, like, we're proud to be who we are and mm-hmm. there is no shame. And I'm here. I'm proud. I'm not hiding anything. Like there are no secrets mm-hmm. and I can be loved and accepted as I am. And I want other people to witness, to witness that and, and to be a reflection of that. Yeah. That's so powerful because I, I don't think everyone feels that same calling to be out there and to, no. to be public. And that is okay. So if you're listening totally. to this, I've had that a few times where people are like, so do I have to get to the place where I get online? No, you no. don't. No. But if you feel the calling in there that you do want to do that, like, listen to that. That's part of, again, your inner knowing speaking mm-hmm. to you. This is something I'd like to do. And there's something so powerful about seeing people like you out there living so joyfully on the beach with your rainbow flags and all of your (laughs) kids just, you know, and having so much fun and being honest about the humanity of it and the difficulty of it. And I think it's really hopeful and it's really um, inspiring. And just like you, just like you, I remember thinking I could never do that. That's Mm. so brave. I would, Mm -hmm. there was like a loyalty piece there almost mm, of, I don't mm. want to embarrass my family or yes. I don't want to cause shame to my family. Yes. I want to protect them. Yep. Totally. So I'll keep my truth inside so that I don't embarrass them. And I remember, I remember the conversation with my mom where I finally told her, I said, I'm about to go public and that might just be a few people, but I'm sure people we know are going to see it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know it really has nothing to do with you. It has to do with things you've taught me as a child that I'm mm. supposed to be there mm. for people who have no one to be there for them. And I'm supposed to take up for people who are underdogs. And I'm supposed to take up for people who are being bullied. And I can't sit on the sidelines Beautiful. and have the values I have. And so being able to like explain it in that way, or these are the great values you taught me that I'm still living by. Mm. kind of allowed her to accept I'm about to go public with something Mm. that could bring up a lot of shame and a lot of fear for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I got the chills. That's, (sighs) that's beautiful. And, and it's so ironic, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I think that's something that probably made her think a little bit, you know, and it is true. I mean, we learn a lot of values that can be really, um, empowering and beautiful if used in a, in a different context. Um, and I, I love that. And I love, I love being in that place where you can give them that gift, where you can give this gift to people who are still in the church of, of connecting you, 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 you just made a connection for you and your mom to like, keep that bond. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what she wants. You know, our parents don't want to lose that connection with us. They love us so much Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be lost. You know, it doesn't have to be, if you can, you know, if you can be able to see them because you were them. And I think that's, what's so beautiful as, as ex Mormons, we have so much insight 
because we literally were those people. And so we can have so much compassion Mm -hmm. and, and we can meet them where they're at. We don't have to, we don't have to, um, end the relationship because they're not at the same stage of evolution as we are. We can find things to connect about. And, and that's, uh, not necessary for all the people in your life. If there are people that you have to leave behind, of course, that's going to happen. But when you have family members or best friends that you want to keep in your life, it's possible too. And I think the grace and humility and love and and empathy and compassion that you are showing when you do that is like one of the greatest, like one of the greatest showings of humanity that there is. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and for so many of our friends and family that want to stay connected with us, some of them have never, they've never experienced healthy boundaries. Mm. They've never experienced safe space to be all of themselves, to mm. feel all of their feelings, to be acceptable, even without their mask on. And mm. so sometimes it takes some time. First, we work on ourselves, I find. Totally. We get safe with ourselves. But then we offer the safe space of, look, you can take your mask off here. Mm. You get to be you. And I'm going to love you, whether you're angry or sad or happy or, you know, whatever, all of you is welcome here. And all of me is welcome here. Mm -hmm. Neither of us, we talked about that codependency earlier where so often we're taught to sacrifice ourselves so that someone else can be happy. And what we're doing is creating these safe spaces where all of us, it's a win-win for all of us. No one's Mm -hmm. sacrificing who they authentically are so that someone else doesn't have to confront hard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're saying let's confront the hard things together and grow you're, together. You're their teacher. Like, yeah. honestly, like it's so beautiful. You're giving them this opportunity to evolve and, and step it up as a person, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. showing them a different way. There is a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, that I do want to say is that as a queer person, like it does take it to a different level. Like it is really, really, really hard to be in a room of people where there's people who like uh, are outwardly saying, I don't believe you are, are going to be okay with God. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a different thing. Like I, um, I've put out some content about allyship and can you be an ally within Mormonism? And what I came down to is like, no, you can't. If you don't say that you are outwardly disagreeing with the church, if you're not voicing the fact that you don't believe this doctrine in the church is, is okay, then you're not an ally, you know, like you have to speak out and you have to say it and you have to say it, especially to your queer friends. Um, or it's, it's a no go. You can't disagree with someone's identity and think that, that, that you're a safe person for them. Yeah. You just, you just can't. And so I, I think that's a line that you can draw like that. If that feels like a line that you need to draw, then, then draw it. Because if my parents or my family members, any of my people who are still Mormon, if they said, oh yeah, I think you're living in sin and being gay is uh, not okay. And, um, let's have fun, fun dinner and Christmas together. I'd be like, nope, sorry, <laughs> not yeah. doing it. So I think there's definitely a line to be drawn there. Um, if, if that you don't have to be okay. Cause I feel pressured a lot online when I say things like, you can't like love the sin or hate the sin isn't okay. Like I get tons of pushback on that. Like, how dare you? You're so disrespectful to the Mormon religion, like uh, that you would kiss your girlfriend in front of the temple. And like, you're so disrespectful. We can disagree and still live in harmony. And I'm like, you know what? I'm calling you out because that's not okay. You can't, yeah. you, you can't. Yeah. So, well, and especially when, you know, there's a group of people that want to take away rights, which we're mm-hmm. actively seeing right now. We're recording this in yes. March Ugh. and we're seeing, you know, groups of people who think they're doing the right thing and are saving kids mm-hmm. by taking away rights from the LGBTQ community and honestly terrorizing their families and, and these children. And, 
you have people trying to take away rights from another group. And as long as you're in a group that is actively trying to take away rights, or at least is being silent while those around you are actively trying to take away rights, Mm -hmm. you can't call yourself a friend. It would be just like, you know, in high school, if you ever had that friend that was like friends with you in secret, but then when you were all together at the lunch table, they pretended like they didn't know you. That's mm. what that feels like. Mm, yes, that is a good analogy. <laughs> really good. Mm, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. If we're going to be friends, we've got to be friends, not just in secret, but you've got to be my friend out in public too. Yes. You've got to stand up for me. You can't let people bully me and you just stay quiet to stay comfortable if you're going to be my friend, you have to be uncomfortable with me in the uncomfortable wow. spaces. I love that so much. And honestly, that's what so many LDS people do. I mean, there are so many people sitting in the pews who secretly don't believe in most of it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's mm-hmm. secret. They're quiet about it. They're not ruffling feathers. Like they're not doing anything about it. And that feels like shit to a queer yeah. kid. You know, yeah. that feels like betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't know who's safe because everybody's being quiet. There is no Mm. safe place for you. Yeah. And if you're sitting, if you're sitting on the pews and you're not saying anything, then you are saying that you do, that you do agree. If you're not saying you disagree, but you're there, you're saying you do agree. And that's what kids are experiencing there. They're saying, oh my God, look at all these people who think I'm a sinner because I'm a queer kid. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not saying anything about it. Ugh. Yeah. No, you, especially when you're in high demand systems, especially in those systems where there is a narrative that is quote unquote, right. There's a right way to think and there's a wrong way to think. It is especially important in those spaces when you believe and think differently, when people's lives, when their ability to feel good about themselves is on the line, it is especially important in those spaces to say, I don't agree. Mm. I think this is harmful. I think this is wrong. And are there consequences that come with that? Yeah, there are. Mm -hmm. But but that's part of being an ally when you see harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is part of it is part of it. And and I think that's integrity. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, do you want to live in integrity or do you want to not? And if you choose not to, you're choosing to hurt people. Mm -hmm possibly your own kids. Yeah. Yeah. I do know people that do stay in the Mormon church, but they are crazy vocal about what they think. And they endure all the same shunning that Mm. you and I Mm. have endured leaving the church. I don't Mm -hmm. understand staying. I'm going to be honest with Mm -hmm. my listeners. Do not understand staying under those circumstances. People have their reasons. You get to make your choices what you choose gets to be okay because you're your own authority. But I know people that, that do do that, but it's very rare and it's very, typically it's typically it's a phase. I I've noticed like they can only take it for so long, you know, Mm -hmm. because it gets, it gets unbearable after a while or, or, or somebody comes, one of their kids comes out and they're like, Oh, drawn the line or, yeah, you know, Another policy comes out and they're like, that was the last straw. I can't do it. You know, because I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I see the church doubling down. I don't see the church progressing. My, my feeling is if I had to predict, I I would predict that it's going to become a tiny little weird cult with a bunch of like extremists. And then everyone else is going to leave because it's, it's not, they're, they're not keeping up. No, they're they're going backwards. Well, and so often, I mean, I'm looking out in the world and I see the world kind of doubling down in so many ways. I feel (laughs) like the ego of like the patriarchy and the, you know, the power structure and, and the white supremacy and, and the like straight privilege, like all of that is just the, the losing of power is freaking them out and they're digging in instead of growing and evolving. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think I have, I think there will always be naysayers, but in yoga, we have learned that like right now we're in the age of Aquarius. We're in the Aquarian age, which means we're in an age of um, shifting, like from one age to another and the, to more enlightenment. So I see what you're saying. And I, I agree. I think it's like, obviously people are pushing back, but ultimately the next generation 
Hmm? is going to be more woke. And the people that are pushing back, they're going to die off. And I think we will progress as a a human race to, to a certain extent after the boomers die off and (laughs) we're, we're in a more, uh, we're, we have fresh blood. Yeah. Well, I already see that in my kids and I'm sure you see that in Mm -hmm. yours too. Like there's so much more welcoming and accepting and open and call out gaslighting. They see gaslighting like that. They like, they see authoritarianism so quickly. No, I think I misspoke in that. I, I think I didn't complete the idea in that right now, I think we see the pushback, but it's usually it's like the death of the ego before. Yes. The yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes, you know, when I'm, cause I mean, my life has been just full of surprises, so we'll see what comes next, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would want to tell people who are, you know, in this space of transition where they're, you know, they're wanting to live more openly about who they are. Is there anything else that you would want to add before we kind of wrap up for today? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I feel that, uh, what I would say is that the best is yet to come and that it is an experience that will help you to feel more yourself. And that's our purpose. You know, I think in the church, we're taught that we're supposed to be happy all the time and that, oh, it's the beautiful plan of salvation and all this stuff about like, we should feel this way. And no, like we are just humans having a human experience and emotions are temporary. Emotions come and go. We are not our emotions. We're not our feelings. We're not even our thoughts. Like we are the thinker of the thoughts. And that's why I feel like meditation and these practices are so helpful because they show us that we are our own divinity. We're our own God. It all exists in us and that we're just on this ride and don't expect life to be perfect ever. Don't expect this to be super easy and having pain and having it not be easy. Doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean you've gone the wrong direction or you've made a mistake. It means you you aren't asleep anymore. And when you're not asleep, you're going to feel more of everything. You're going to feel more pain and you're going to feel more joy. You're just going to be more alive. And so lean into it, like lean into this human experience. And if you're in this place, congratulations, like you've done something really difficult. You have done something that is really hard to do based on the cultural and familiar conditioning, religious conditioning that you've done. So kudos to you, like, and keep going, like, don't, don't stop. It's only going to get better from here. And when I say better, I mean, more vibrant, more alive, uh, just more living. Mm -hmm. And, and I love, I love being able to like, take away all the fear and the anxiety around experiencing certain emotions. And yeah, not having to put meaning on everything. Like let's just lean in and and ride this wave, ride this wave called life, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There's so much goodness ahead. And as we allow ourselves to sit with that, it just gets better and better as Mm. we allow ourselves to just experience life and know that we're safe experiencing life and that we're going to survive it and not only survive it, but thrive. We're going to do well. So mm-hmm. thank you. I Love know it. people who are listening are like, where can I get more of you? Yeah. So tell them all the things, your podcast, social yeah, media, yeah. all of it. I am mostly on Instagram at coming out coach. Uh, I need to get with the hip kids and get onto the TikTok more. I'm going to try to do that. Um, and I have a podcast called peace out. I'm trying to be consistent with that. Um, it's really fun. So go and listen. We have tons of cool guests on there. Um, and I actually, there's a, there's a Hulu documentary coming out in June and me and my fiance have been filming for almost a year. And, uh, there's going to be four episodes coming out in pride month. So look out for that. It's going to be exciting. And also like DM me if you want to talk about coaching, if you want to talk about, um, you know, resources slide in my DMS, 
And uh, also we were on Mormon stories not too long ago. So if you want a, a long version of our story, it's like six hours or something. You can hop over to, to Mormon stories and uh, find us on there. Fantastic. Yeah. I've listened to the Mormon stories. It's a fantastic podcast. Go listen to Sal and Lena. And then um, yeah, all of her content is, is really hopeful and also so informative. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I've learned so much and I feel like I've been able to kind of deprogram some of the indoctrination that like hides in the corners, you know, how you Mm. like clean the middle of the room, but then there's like some things that are like (laughs) shoved in little drawers. Yeah. So you've helped me open up some of those drawers and be like, Oh, hello, latent beliefs that are not serving me anymore. (laughs) Like let's clean some of that out. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So go and follow her. All of her information is in the show notes. Um, and we will, we will talk to you guys next Sunday, man. This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Had a great time. Bye everyone. Bye.